water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? Best is yet to come, come the day you're mine. Come the day you're mine. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. UGA are back-to-back champs. The last time we saw violence that bad in LA, there's a white Ford Bronco involved. We are a basketball podcast now. Clemson is 6-0 and in first place in the ACC, and life is good. Welcome back, everyone, to the Clemson Podcast. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Ben and Jarrett. Cody, we're not sure where he is. He's not here. We miss you, Cody. Come back. Uh, but thanks to everyone for tuning in. Been off for a couple weeks, recovering from that Orange Bowl, um, and really enjoying some Clemson basketball, fellas. How are we doing here before we recap the season and try to figure out what happened in Miami? I haven't left the house in two weeks because it's raining so bad here. I thought I saw a puddle start to form earlier. Um, no, I mean, doing good. Um, you know, our listeners pay us a lot of money to, to have all the answers and good news. I've got them for you today. Um, I've been really religiously reading the tiger net boards and I've grouped them into three different categories, knee jerk reaction, ignorant, and, um, intelligence deficient to keep it PC. <laughs> so a lot of, a lot of good stuff. What was the middle one? Ignorant. Ignorant. That's right. Okay. I love that. Um, That's kind of by birth. The intelligence deficient. Those people are by choice. Mm, Yeah. I'm definitely excited to hear that new segment. I mean, that's, that may take over the hot take segment if it's good enough. So um, for me, kind of the same thing. Um, Staring myself in the mirror every day for like, three to six minutes wondering where our um, offense went Um, and pretty much just focused on what the future is going to look like. And then also doing massive amounts of shit posting on Twitter under my alt account and yeah, just trying to get through January. Well, certainly not the end of the football season that we all had imagined. I think this show is to unpack that a little bit, unpack the overall season it is important to look back. I think so many, so much of what we want to do right now is like figure out what's going to happen for 2023 and the future of the program. We will touch on that stuff, but um, you know, yeah, I think important to look at back at 2022, think through, you know, highs and the lows, um, how we'll look back on this season going forward. I think will be defined a lot about by the 2023 season. Um, but guys, I think you'll agree with me when we say that this was obviously a big improvement from 2021 and um, there were highlights from this season that I think it's it's well worth us revisiting and, and dwelling on a bit here. Um, but at the, you know, at the end of the day, when this when this program is built on platitudes like "best is the standard," um, winning the ACC is great, but losing all your non-conference games not great. So I would I would call it a moderate improvement at best. You know, the beginning of last season did not start off good. And then we showed improvement throughout the course of the year. It wasn't by leaps and bounds, but there was <clears throat> some semblance of improvement there. 
And then this season, we kind of seemed to pick up where we left off. Things were getting better. And then we hit a wall um, in that Notre Dame game um, where we weren't even competitive. Um, Then you get to South Carolina and lose that game by one, which there's no reason we should have lost that game. And then to get kind of humiliated in the Orange Bowl against Tennessee and a team that we could certainly and should certainly have beaten. Um, you know, that's two of our three losses where we did it to ourselves. And a lot of that goes back to the coaching. Um, we had more talent. Um, we had the ability, even in the Tennessee game and the orange bowl at halftime, like you saw the feeling like this offense is moving the ball and the defense is playing fine. Like we got this still. And it just, nothing ever matriculated, um, on the offense, we'd get to the red zone and everything would just stall. Um, so there are some massive deficiencies in this program. Um, I'd start by looking at the coaching staff. Um, definitely some player position issues, which I'm sure we'll get into, you know, we beat the dead horse about the quarterback. We'll talk about it. Um, wide receivers, another one of those positions. Um, there were some underperforming areas on the defense I'd say, but, um, you know, the record looks the same as last year. The final rankings in the polls looks pretty much the same one spot difference than last year. So I'm not, I don't think any Clemson fan is really coming away from this season too much. Uh, very excited about any sort of improvement. It was just kind of status quo from last year. It seemed like just in different yeah, that's, ways. Like we just same, got there a different way. Having trolled the Twitter threads for the last, uh, you know, three straight weeks, I got to say that it's a lot of Clemson fans that would disagree and say they're thrilled. Then they say, Hey, you know what? Dabo, we got one more win this year. We looked great at times. And Hey, as he says, you know, we're not entitled to win every game. So I'm happy. That's what a lot of fans are saying. Now, we're obviously in the complete opposite boat where much to a lot of people's chagrin, like we're going to try to hold these coaches to the feet of the fire of the program that they built with their bare hands, you know, at least some of them. So, yeah, I, I me personally, I feel like very, you know, we did – last season had such a feeling of deflation coming from all of the wins and the prestige that we've had over the years that I think it just really fell out of us. And then this year, it's like we had these moments where we started to feel like, yeah, we're back. We're, we're on the right track. And then there's moments where it's really head scratching, whether, you know, that's on the actual players, whether that's on the coaches, whether that's on, you know, the elements um, it's, it, it doesn't matter. Like I think, for us, we feel like there's way more meat that was left on the bone. And uh, that's probably something that we'll dive into throughout this podcast. See, uh, at least last year ended with optimism. You know, this year is not ending with optimism. Um, Even though, you know, we've got a handful of guys coming back on the defense that are going to be key uh, Mm -hmm. to this team this year uh, or next year, we've got Cade Klubnik, who showed flashes for certain this year, and we should be all be very excited to see what he's going to do with another off season um, to prep, get used to the college game and then come back, uh, you know, next year. Um, Some improvements across the offensive line and that group should only be stronger next year. We got two really great running backs, um, but it's just really the way that the season ended with, you know, losing three out of three out of our last six games mm-hmm. and, a lot of it's on coaching and you look at our coaching staff and it's a bunch of guys with very little experience. So you can get away with, um, 
some deficiencies in your player personnel, if you have really good coaches to coach them up, and we don't have that, or we we haven't exhibited that, the coaching staff hasn't exhibited that. Um, And I mentioned this a few episodes ago, it's like Dabo's trying to do the same thing with the coaching staff. He does with the players and bring these guys in young and build them up and development on, you know, develop them over time and, um, you know, make something of them. And that's just not going to the fly in this college football world where all the top teams just have really packed and loaded coaching staffs. Um, and when you do hit these kind of um, low spots where you miss on some recruits, um, whether it be in the wide receiver or the quarterback, like you need that coaching experience really to build them up. And I think one of the things we really saw this year was kind of a lack of leadership and the same thing last year. Um, some guys did step forward this year, Will Shipley, obviously being very vocal, um, KJ Henry on the defensive side of the ball, but you also need leadership in that, in that coaching room. And I'm not, you know, I don't know, but it doesn't seem like it's really there because again, you know, this season started off okay with some optimism and, you know, hoping you were starting, you were starting to see some improvement out of, you know, the offense and DJ, but then it just all went downhill after that. Well, and I think look, Clemson has lost six games the last two seasons in five of those six Clemson was by far the more, but more talented team. Yeah. Um, we're losing he, games. We, we shouldn't. And that, that brings you back to Clemsoning <laughs> and it sucks to say that. And I know those yeah, are against, you know, ranked teams, but you know, it's just, it's Clemsoning and with, you know, yeah. with a, with a different, um, you know, just in a, in a different. The last thing we need is that the lexicon. Going about it a different way, I guess. I'm you know, <laughs> trying to say a lack of a better word, but um, yeah. Losing five out of six to teams that we really shouldn't have lost to. Um, that's when's the last time you saw that? Tom well, you, you really had to hang that on coaching. Um, yeah. So, and it's, it's situational in game or it's to your point, Ben, lack of experience, whatever it is. And the thing We've that disappoints me is that, you know, I see a lot of these, these other coaches like John Calipari, I was watching an interview with him, you know, Kentucky basketball is not doing well this year at all. And he really put him on himself. He's like the buck ends with me. You know, he said that front and center, he didn't make excuses for his program. He built up the kids, but also said, you know, took a lot of accountability for that. And I don't see a ton of that from Davo. Maybe, you know, he just always is trying to paint a rosy picture and he's, you know, never going to um, talk about the deficiencies of the team out of fear of, you know, hurting the kids' feelings or something like that. Um, and, you know, maybe he does things, say those things, but it all kind of gets lost in the, you know, the things he says, like God's name, image, likeness, and, you know, those, those sound bites that you get out of him. But um, I really love to see him actually be really critical of, you know, the job he's done and the job his coaching staff is done. Well, you don't need ben, to protect the what, coaching staff. Like you shouldn't need it. Those are grown men that are getting paid hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars. Well, let's do it right now. Let's give some grades out. What's Dabo Sweeney's grade on the season? Hmm. I'm going to um, go C plus. The average C minus, maybe a little bit below yeah. average, because again, there was regression throughout the season. And, mm-hmm. you know, you look at the South Carolina, the game and that, you know, the, the calling of that trick play on the kick return, which really turned that game around. We had a chance to take the ball, we moved it all down the field, we could go up and score and, and put some distance between us and South Carolina. That really turned the game around. And then in the game against Tennessee, you put the ball in the hands of your son on that fake punt or fake field goal, or was it a punt or field goal? Field, field goal, goal, field goal. Yeah, it was a whole. Um, yeah. Absolutely no reason to do that at that point. Like it reached desperation. Um, 
it's just bad coaching decisions. Like when you have the personnel to do that and pull that off, like really talented guys that, that know what they're doing. Um, sure. That works. But there's so many fundamental issues on this team this year and, and, and last year, like those type of plays don't fly, especially when you're having ball security issues too. If you're, if you're the head coach and you hear your offensive coordinator, which we'll get to in a minute, uh, say in press conferences, like we got to get the ball in your running backs hands more mm-hmm. like in, in multiple losses. Yeah. And you continue to see that happen. You're the head coach. You are in that headset meddling in the play calling. Like mm-hmm. it's on you, man. You got to, or when he put Klubnik in, in the Notre Dame game, yeah. like in, the, in that situation, in my mind, you know, talking about Cade and when that switch with DJ should have been made. I agree that for most of the season, DJ was looking fine. And I, I, you know, I buy what the coaches are saying that Cade did not look, um, you know, quite ready in practice, making a lot of mistakes. Reporters have reported that, um, it, the, you know, guys from TI have heard from, run media. from his family's camp saying, yeah, they think they handled him well, but, I think the time to make the move was halftime in Notre Dame, come out fresh with Cade in the second half um, and have him in there for the rest of the season. It was obvious DJ was going to leave. Like, I think, I think that absolutely came as no surprise after that South Carolina game that he entered the, um, or sorry, after the the ACC championship game that he entered the um, transfer portal. Like they knew that was coming. You knew it was coming. We knew it was coming when he threw his first pass and it went straight. Oh yeah. As soon as he threw that first pass, um, it was over. It was done. You could tell it was already in his head. Yeah, I just want to say I went on record last summer saying that like big fan. We're all big fans of DJ, right? We 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 love the kid. He's he's given us everything he give going through what he went through, right? And, and following up who he followed up um, as a player. Um, and I also said that you know I think that maybe like DJ is the like rusty gear in the offense that's causing people to like not be so in sync and like, you know, maybe he's in his head and it's causing other players to doubt him uh, as you know, their quarterback uh, and they're not getting open, blah, blah, blah. Um, But I also said, if we, what we'll do is we'll play the orange bowl and we'll see, Hey, when we have all this time to prep without DJ and with Cade, if Cade comes out and slays again, then it's like, Oh, well maybe he was, but like we came out and just, you know peed all down our legs in the orange ball on offense and that's when well, i was like okay jared let me devil's advocate you offense put up a lot of like score like had a lot of yards didn't score a lot of points didn't score a touchdown most plays um, in clemson history air. like there's kind of a couple ways you could look at that and while i agree with, like they did not go for the jugular they did not find the right combination to get in the end zone like red zone play, play column is atrocious um we won't put BT Potter on the offense, but like, I get what you're saying. Like this did not look like an elite offense, a top five offense or a competently managed offense. It's really more the in-game coaching that to me was lacking in that game. And so does that help answer the question? Like was DJ the issue all season? I don't think it helps answer that question. Like, I think it, it does call into question the coaching, which I think is the point you're trying to make. Yeah, the point I'm trying to make is that, like, now I have more faith in the idea that, like, it's been coaching for the majority of it. Maybe not all of it. I mean, there's no 100% reason why this is going on. It's it's coaching. It's it's development. It's players. It's it's roster management. It's, you know, all this Swiss cheese that stacks on top of each other. But, like, you know, it'll eventually um, catch up to you. What's that? You keep passing around a stat, 
Jarrett, or maybe it was you, Ben, about just the cumulative amount of years of coaching experience on the staff this year. And yeah, that 20, is. What is the 2016 coaching so, crew relative to this year? That is great. And uh, the whole world needs to know this. And I think shout out to, I don't, it was the, it was Larry Ellis or Larry Williams intern. I can't remember his name from Twitter. Oh, Riley um, Morningstar. Riley Morningstar. Yeah. So shout out, hat tip to Riley. Um, in 2016, the coaching staff had 155 years of experience across nine coaches. In 2022, this year, we had 29 years experience across 10 coaches. So an average of 17.2 years of experience per coach and an average versus an average of 2.9 years per coach. And that's I where mean, I think uh, that's where that's, I think the ego um, conversation yeah. comes into play with Dabo of thinking that, you know, he can make everybody great. Um, mm -hmm. He needs help, man. Um, and what worked in the past was bringing in experienced coaches. Listen, they weren't all Clemson guys. Brent Venables wasn't a Clemson guy. You don't have to fill the staff with entire, you know, everybody, some tie to Clemson or some guy that Dabo roomed with at some point in his, you know, college career. Um, yeah. You know, spread that out because then you get in an echo chamber, right? You're just hearing the same voices and the same perspectives. Like you need to go outside of the program and, and bring in some people. Like when you lost Tony Elliott and uh, Jeff Scott first and then Tony Elliott, like that, that offense needed a refresh. You don't just keep promoting from within, um, especially with an inexperienced coach. I know we OC'd at Richmond, but <clears throat> Richmond spiders. Um, yeah. And especially if you're going to do that, on defense as well you certainly can't do that on both sides of the ball like it's just completely lacking in the experience and I think it showed um I, I think it showed how the team started to peter out at the end of the season um mm -hmm. I do think that um we're probably in some sense being a little hard on these guys because we can't really know until we have Cade um with another offseason under his belt and with this experience this year um and I do think yeah. DJ's limitations are part of it, but you know, yeah, you, I mean, got to coach around that and develop him. Like, well, where do where do we net out here? Where do we net out here, guys, on the job that Coach Streeter did this season? I mean, in terms of a grade, I think we've we've gone back and forth a little bit, Jarrett, to your point about mm -hmm. you know how much how much of offense kind of taking two steps forward, one step back this year was due to what's going on with DJ between the ears when he starts to make mistakes mm -hmm. um, and how much of that is actually, I mean, if this coaching staff simplified the playbook, there were, there were commentary, there was commentary all year about tipping plays or other defenses really figuring this, figuring this out and mm -hmm. slowing down our offense. So, I mean, I'll just put it back to you guys, like overall grade and then give you the chance to unpack any comments you have about the OC. Well, I'll go C plus for Streeter because I'm going to give every other coach on the team a higher grade than I give Dabo. Fine, if talking about Dabo should be the one, the yeah. head man in charge and have the accountability. Um, you know, I, it, there were some improvements in the early part of the season, and then at least when Cade got in there, you did see some more up-tempo stuff. We moved the ball well until we got into the red zone um, in the Orange Bowl. But, yeah, really a lot of head scratchers. You know, you mentioned it early, Tully, like the amount of times he said we really should get it to our running backs more. Like, well, Jesus, do it. <laughs> like, yeah. Who, who else but you, man? Um, no, I think you're right, Ben. Like, flashes of competence here. And it makes you wonder, like, we should probably be looking more at some of, like, the attributes of these coaches. Like, 
Brandon Streeter, the game planner or the, mm -hmm. you know, the guy that comes up with the game plan and like the strategy versus like Brandon <clears throat> Streeter, the in-game adjuster coach, mm -hmm. um, different than Tony Elliott on both of those accounts, I feel like. Um, yeah. And that's, that's where the line starts to get blurred of what we can really know without being on the sidelines, in the headset, in the practice, like week to week planning and all those kinds of stuff. But I, I, I know that like, they all have different responsibilities. You know, Kyle Richardson's the, the passing coordinator. Like, how much does he influence stuff and influence the changes? I'll give Streeter a C minus. So I'm going to flip Ben. Ben and I are just trading grades here um, because the most important position on the field is the quarterback. And he's the quarterback coach as well. And I don't feel like we've gotten any development from him uh, out of DJ. And from what DJ's uncle said on Twitter, he did not feel at all that Coach Streeter developed DJ and that he regressed. And he feels, you know, the, the consensus is that he didn't do much for Deshaun or Trevor either. They were just generational talents. I'm going so, to take anything that the uh, Yu Galele um, family tweets with a grain of salt. Um, DJ is the one that I trust most. <laughs> yeah, but the family. problem is that it, it confirms my bias. So I want to believe it. So oh, yeah, that's, 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 how, that's how we roll on social media, baby. Yeah. Um, I'll give him a C minus. Well, I did. I then did why do you think, why do you think DJ took that shot going out? You saw his Instagram post, right? Where he was like, I'm going to Oregon state because they can develop me into an NFL quarterback. Paraphrasing. Yeah. Like it's not about stats. It's about pretty clear. Well, pretty clear I mean, shot. Yeah. well, he was, well, was it, I'm leaving Clemson to go there because they can develop me or I was leaving yes. Clemson no matter what. So now I need to find a team who can develop me. DJ has been nothing but just, um, he has done everything um, in the most respectable manner that he can. I've been really proud of him and how he's handled everything. Um, he was put in a really tough position this year, especially with all the haters and what we think is a deficient coaching staff around him. You know, we'll see what happens when he uh, – I'll be watching uh, Oregon State very closely next year to see how he does. Um, I, I don't have a lot of optimism for his NFL career because I do think there are a lot of fundamental flaws there, um, both mm -hmm. in his you know physical ability um, and then also his processing of the game. Um, but I'm not going to hate on him and I'm going to just root for the best for that kid because um, he really composed himself very respectably um, in a very mature way all season. I mean, like when, when Cade went out there and won the Syracuse game and DJ was like kind of the first one over there on the sideline to you know give him props and give him a hug and whatever like that that said a lot to me about dj and and mm -hmm. the type of person he is um so uh really rooting for him but uh again i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pay much attention to what people you know as you start going down the line you know two three uh, four what, degrees what's his heisman odds um because i might take the bet We'll have to see what Vegas says because that would be if he goes to New York, even if he doesn't win. That's not happening. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But that's yeah, all the that issue I issue there, Jarrett, is he, you know, he's got the name recognition already, but no one's gonna watch Oregon State Beaver football to the point where he's gonna get the right type of hype. That's true. But but anyway, yeah. let's move on. Yep. So, you know, um, there's obviously like we can't completely answer the question, but we're a podcast here. We're going to make our hot takes. We're going to make our, give, give, give our scores around. Um, any parting thoughts, guys? Like 
I don't think we've done, we've done enough justice here for like the bright spots of the offense this season outside of what we've already mentioned. You know, the running game was pretty competent this year. I feel like the offensive line yeah. showed improvement year on year in the running game and in pass protection. They weren't perfect. Um, there were, you know, growing pains with guys in position. There were some injuries that happened down the stretch. Um, but for the most part, I mean, and maybe we could use this to give scores to their respective position group guys like Mafa and Shipley did great, especially with Kobe pace out most of the season. So, um, you know, hats off to those guys, really fun to watch this Clemson offense with that running game working. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that was a, that was definitely a bright spot. Um, am I the only one who thinks that maybe Mafa was the better running back for this offense this year? Yeah, I mean, Ben, let me ask you, like, why do you think we didn't get Will Shipley more involved in the passing game this year? Like, I, I think I agree with you in your assertion about the offense, but like, because we have a C plus, what even is the offensive identity of this team? And maybe Moth is more of like a, a balanced running back and like just give him the ball and he would plug into pretty much any offense. Like, I think Shipley was very underutilized. Let's maybe. I'll, Does no I'll, one I'll remember the. No, the like wheel route almost touchdown where Shipley like leaked out and caught it on his fingertips and almost went into the end zone. That was like, FSU, right? It's like, yeah, it's like, I think so. It's like we did that and then I was like, holy shit. And then we just never like tried it or we tried it again, but like it just like never connected and stuff. So like yeah, I think I we think tried. I think they were all bad throws, including the one that he scored on just so I had yeah. to reach out and grab it with one hand. Uh, um, so hey, DJ plays twice in the Bay Area next year, just so you guys know. Yeah, San Jose State in at Cal. We should go. Yeah, problem with running the Clemson Alumni Club is that I've got to be at like the uh actual <laughs> events. Problem. I'll see you there, Ben. <laughs> All right. Yep. Sounds good. Um, last thoughts on the running. Yeah, we, we need to use the running game more and I feel like both of them are just really good. It, I almost feel like it's hard to even say because I just feel depressed that we didn't use them more. So I don't want to even like say one's better than the other. I just feel deflated when I think of both of them that we just were under underutilizing them and the coaches would say it after the game and then not make the adjustments. Well, it feels, it really felt like the coaches trusted nobody in this offense and just left the ball in DJ's hands <laughs> for most of the year. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, and I don't blame him be the, the wide receiver group. And they let him be the scapegoat, right? I mean, yeah. Well, they always defended him, but they like remember they they never said anything bad about him. They refused to to our like frustration. But, oh, and then Dabo would be so much more critical of Cade. Wouldn't really say anything about DJ though. Like there was a completely different tone and demeanor. Um, and maybe he's knows because Cade has the mentality and he can take it. Um, and they kind of had to be soft with DJ. I don't know. I don't want to speculate but like Tully will say this is a podcast we're gonna speculate that's what yeah. we do man anyway it's like yeah flashes but not the whole thing so we're left wanting all right well let's let's move it out to the receivers um this is a, a challenged position group this year i think um just a, a very lumpy season i think for the passing game and wide receiver room um, one thing I think that we maybe haven't appreciated as much as fans is like the role that Bo Collins played. And then when he went down in that Notre Dame game pretty early, that was it for him in the season. Like, I think mm -hmm. he did attempt to come back at one point and went out immediately later on. But, um, mm -hmm. outside of, I mean, I thought Bo had some really good games early on in the season and clearly he's got historical chemistry with DJ. Um, 
Joe Spangata had a relatively like he had a, he had his best season yet as a Tiger. Mm-hmm. Some might call it inconsistent, but for the most part, I mean he he showed up and um, showed flashes. He's we found out today he's going to be going into the NFL draft. We wish him well. I think he could have used a little bit more seasoning in another another season, but you know if he, if he got the right kind of draft signal that he can he'll be drafted, like go for it, man. Um, and then we had some in-season transfers, you know, Dakari Collins, um, but we haven't mentioned the bright spots yet. Like Antonio Williams, true freshman, showing up in his first season, really from the beginning of the year. Um, I don't even know if you would call this a chemistry with DJ thing as much as like that guy caught everything coming his way and got open and, you know, really made it happen. So um, that was great. I don't think we saw Adam Randall um, featured enough and establishing mm-hmm. himself, but we're optimistic that he's going to be the guy coming in next year. Uh, but yeah, this is a position group guys that really, if you take a step back, this is a shadow of the wide receiver room that we've, we've been accustomed to seeing. And, you know, you go back to like the 2020 class is kind of thin. You had EJ Williams. He's now out a Joe transferred last year. Um, it's really been a long time since we've had NFL caliber first three, four rounds of the draft kind of wide receiver seemingly wide receiver talent or guys like with the talent that come in to get polished to the point where they put on that kind of production and can get drafted at that level. So I, I got to say as a whole for this wide receiver season, probably better than the previous year, uh, but not something that any of us walk away from thinking that that was a, a necessarily a bright spot. No, it, I mean, Antonio Williams was the bright spot. Mm-hmm. Joe and Gata you know, a little bit more exciting with, with club Nick throwing to him. Um, surprise as well that he's going to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't really seen enough out of him. I mean, he's got physical attributes that lend itself to NFL wide receiver, but does he even get drafted? I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's going to be hard to say. <clears throat> um, um, I, Adam Randall is coming off an injury heading into this year and also a true freshman. Um, but all of a sudden, we're really thin at, at the wide receiver position. I guess your starters next year would be Bo Collins, Randall, and Antonio Williams. Sure, we're, we're down that? to one Sweeney, Ben. One Sweeney. Yeah. What are we going to do? Program's doomed. Guys, we're all, forgetting, we're all forgetting about freaking White Lightning, Paul Turner, bringing, it, bringing the heat in the UNC game, being the first – 100-yard receiver we've had in, like, 75 games or whatever the heck the streak was, like 16 games, and then had a, had a couple really good passes in the Orange Bowl. And then – but the point is, is that I'm I'm high on Cole Turner. I'm high on Antonio Williams, and Adam Randall has potential. Bo, we'll have to see. I want him to be great. Maybe he'll be better um, after resting his shoulder and stuff. And then behind that, it's like it's going to be freshman. And then – you know, Davis Allen is gone as the receiving threat, and then Brennan Stool will be back. Um, anybody else feel like we were using the tight ends awesomely for the first half of the year? You know, seam routes, just like across the middle, um, and then they just kind of like slowly faded yeah. away. That was the other thing that frustrated me with the play calling was not using them um, enough. Uh, we had flashes where we were throwing over the middle, slants over the middle, and then over the middle of the tight ends, and it was working, and then we'd go away from that for whatever reason. Um, 
you know, Troy Stilato, we don't know what we're going to get out of him. Hopefully he can stay healthy for next year. That would be good depth to have. And then we got some <clears> freshmen <throat> coming in. Um, but, you know, it's a pretty dire situation with the wide receiver group right now, just because there's nobody's really proven outside of Antonio Williams, who has had mm-hmm. the most decorated career of any Clemson wide receiver on this roster right now. Bo Collins, um, I think, has an high upside. He struggled to stay healthy this year. We saw flashes from him last year and even this year. I think he suffered a bit when he was healthy this year just from the passing game situation. So, um, I, you know, I, and I think it does kind of say a lot that he didn't follow DJ anywhere. Like, you know, those guys were high school teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that he's staying here for now. Yeah, I mean, I get you, Ben. If, on the other hand, he has a good season this coming year. You can go into the draft. Mm-hmm. So versus like, I think if he goes to Oregon State, yeah, maybe he can have a really good year there too. But I think he's just going to exit from Clemson with a higher profile. So, mm-hmm. um, well, we're paying for that shoulder surgery too. So, like, you know, you get that shoulder surgery at the end of the year, right when the portal opens. It's like it's really you don't like. There, there's probably some fine writing in there for like, hey, we're going to pay for you to get your shoulder reconstructed or whatever. Down and stay here. I think, I think they can do. It's the Wild West, man. They can do anything they want now. Take the money and run. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Maybe they didn't want him though because of the shoulder. Could be. I don't know. Um, okay. Well, uh, look, like offense. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys want to. I mean, we're let's 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 cut to the chase. Tyler Grisham. We keeping him? If you guys are head coach. I, I mean, I think at this point, this the fact year. that no coaching changes have been made yet at this point, you know, available coaches out there is probably going to start to dry up. Um, and then the longer you keep him on, if you let him go, you're limiting his ability to go find a home somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so my my gut tells me he's here for next season. But no, I haven't been happy at all uh, with him. Um, the development of the wide receivers, all the attrition says a lot, I think, to that, you know, the coaching at that position. Um, now, to, to be fair, you know, it all it did start under Jeff Scott with the misses on several of these wide receivers. Um, it's not like a Joe yeah. Joe went, you know, to South Florida and did anything. Mm-hmm. Um, he was gone then, Jeff Scott. It, that was like the class. That was the very end of it. That was on his way out. He might have signed mm-hmm. him. So, yeah, it was it a yeah. developing a Joe Joe and EJ Williams thing, which would have been under Grisham's watch, but. I hear you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, nobody is going to look at the wide receivers over the last three years and be like, yeah, we've like our wide receiver talent is awesome. And like, we're getting great separation and like we're getting high point in the ball and we're running crisp routes. And yeah, the fundamentals are horrible. Blocking. Right? It's just like, look, it's a, a position coach at a D1 football school is essentially like, uh, you know, uh, a senior vice president at like a major Fortune 500 company. It's like if you just put in someone straight out of college to be the SVP or like senior director or something for Google or Facebook, it's like they're going to get their freaking lunch handed to them every single day and like be fired because they just, it's not that they're bad and they can't do that role eventually. They just need time to build those fundamental skills. It's like the same way, like I play guitar, but if you put me on stage with uh, freaking the Foo Fighters, it's like I'm going to get super embarrassed because. Uh, there's no way I'm keeping on, right? So that's why it's so frustrating that Dabo doesn't see that. What he sees is like, oh, it's okay. We can bring him along. We can bring him along. We'll raise him up, coach him up. And it's like, dude, it's like if 
the players and the coaches are all inexperienced. Like, well, you're also not doing the kids any favors by, by and they see that by building a underdeveloped staff that yeah. is, yeah, doesn't have the credentials mm-hmm. and really doesn't, you know, as a whole unit, doesn't seem mm-hmm. to be fit for the job. In his first year, look how many freaking D line talents in his first and second year that kids said, I want to go play for Nick Easton, right? How many five-star, you know, high four-star wide receivers go, hey, I want to play for Tyler Grisham? Any? NFL experience notwithstanding. Yeah. I mean, in the last, like, two classes. I mean, we, we got really lucky with Antonio Williams you know, coming out of Dutch work and stuff. To be fair, Ohio State's kicking everybody's ass. Even Bama is lacking. Yeah, look, is there? There's, 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 they're out there. The kids are out there that would play for us. They just want to play for someone that's going to develop them. Georgia and boat think, race TCU with a guy named McConkey. Cody's made this point to us. Awesome. Like replacing, I, I think we'll make this point and we can move on. Replacing Tyler Grisham, even if we had done it three weeks ago with like the cream of the crop wide receiver coach in the country, we wouldn't. We're not going to get Brian Hartline to come to Clemson. I don't think. Um, but that's not going to turn this entire offense around. I think it does start with the offensive system, offensive philosophy, like having a leader on that side of the ball, which we're lacking at the moment. Um, so I'm kind of like, do we keep Grisham? It's kind of like, well, do we keep Streeter as well? Or like if you put Grish, if you pair Grisham with an experienced offense coordinator who could bring it, you know, I could see a world where that guy could be fine. But the question I have for both of you guys is like, how many more years of this are, are we like, are we going to be okay with this? You know? Well, one, I'm not okay with it at all. Um, and I don't think Ben is either. Sure. Um, no, no, and, no. Yeah. Uh, how many okay. more years do I think that that Dabo's going to do this? Is he going to get away with this is maybe the way to, to phrase it. I think he's going to do this for another year or two. And I think it's going to take a serious blow up, which I don't think we're going to have a serious blow up, but I think that, what would Without that look that, like? A serious blow up. Serious blow up? Well, I mean, we already haven't. We twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two were statistically fifty percent of the receiving yards that we've had in like the ten years before that, right? Even yeah. with Cole Stout. Um, so I don't know that anything is going to make him considered a blow up, other than if we lose, like if we start going like eight and four or eight and five or whatever it adds up to. So. Well, yeah. Let me ask you this. You know, we're assuming that, you know, the Clemson job, any position, um, is sought after highly should those positions come open. What if it's the case that not a lot of these high profile coaches want to come play for Dabo for some reason or, or coach for Dabo? I mean, I haven't compared That's, the notes, yeah. Ben, on like what our salaries are for assistance. It's not even a salary where... thing. Like, I wonder how I wonder how the other coaches and opposing coaches out there, like non-head coaches, view a Clemson job. Um, we brought in Brent Venables. Who else are we stealing from high-profile programs, or even mid-tier, perennially like top twenty programs, or pulling guys in from the NFL to fill positions on this team? Now they're all former players, a couple of years, a few years out of the league, and. Again, Dabo's roommates. Yeah, that's a hot take that I really like because if you think about it from a resume standpoint, if I'm an up-and-coming wide receivers coach, if I go to Clemson, like, am I going to – is that going to look good on my resume? Like, I'm just going to be around people 
Like, yeah, I mean, that's a, I've never thought of that. Who's so. my OC going to be? What system am I going to plug? Am I going to plug into? Yeah, is there going to be a coach under Brandon Streeter? Is the OC a guy with zero experience at the Division One level? Yeah, it comes back to having a rudderless offense because there is no set philosophy. It's a rehashed three times over Chad Morris playbook. Yeah, you're right, Ben. That's probably not an attractive job for would-be assistants. Ben, you nailed it. Truth hurts. Shall we talk defense? Um, first year off of Brent Venables, Wes Goodwin, Mickey Kahn were the co-DCs. Pretty solid defense. I don't know, Jared, if you have the advanced stats off the top of your head, but, you know, top 10, top 15 defense for the most part in advanced stats for Clemson. Maybe the top top part of the top 10. Um, sorry, the... Yeah, close to close to ten. Um, it's funny, like toward the toward that losing streak we had, or you know, losing three out of the last five games, three out of the last six. I think mm-hmm. I heard some comments like, "Look, we're so preoccupied with the offense's woes that we're not really lifting our head up to see how the defense is underperforming its talent profile this year." Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's probably true, but I don't. I just don't know how much of that you can put on Wes Goodwin. I think Wes Goodwin did a fairly solid job with this team this season, knowing that he was coming in replacing a legend like Venables. Yes, he was handed a pretty good, he was dealt a pretty good hand in terms of talent, but he also had a lot of guys go down with injury this season. I mean, you look at the Wake Forest game, we had true freshmen playing the majority of that. We had Nate Wiggins, inexperienced, come through in that game. Um, I don't know that I put that necessarily on coaching as much as like roster management over time. So um, I guess if I got to give a grade real, real quick to Wes Goodwin, I give him a solid B for the season. Um, B plus a minus would have probably looked something like controlling Tennessee without Hendon hooker and mm-hmm. South Carolina with Spencer Rattler. I think both of those games stand out in addition to the wake forest game as tough games for our defense overall. But um yeah, how do you guys think West did this season? I'd give him a B plus. I'm not giving anybody an A on this team, I don't think. But um, no, uh, I, I think a lot of the there was a lot of nitpicking just because we've been looking for nits to pick this entire season with the offense being so bad. And you also have to remember, like a defense, um, you know, a great a great defense in part is help supported by an offense who can stay stay on the field, move the ball, create separation. Um, in the score and a game script. You, yeah, exactly. What was, what was, what helped mm-hmm. all those Brent Venables defenses on the years that the starters were out by the start of the second half, you know, you had guys rested and you had tremendous depth. You can't do that with these, with these teams the past couple of years. Um, we did have some issues, I, I think on the defensive lines with injuries, but also Nick Eason has kind of made a comment about maybe the will of, I'm not going to say anybody in particular, KJ Henry, or no, sorry, Miles Murphy was the one that would came to mind. He didn't. He didn't name names, but I, I am. Um, so, but you know, I thought the defense did not lose us any games at all. Um, not the Notre Dame game. I still put a lot of that on the offense. Um, I don't think they lost us the Tennessee game because we had every opportunity um, to yeah. go in there and score on offense. And they didn't lose us the South Carolina game. I didn't think, I think we had that game in hand early on as, as well. I think there was coaching they scored decisions, a touchdown, and, right? you know, not the right quarterback in there. No quarterback change in that game, which is mind blowing. Yeah. It's another reason Davo has a C minus. Um, 
he gets an F minus for that game. Yeah. Oh, when you lose the coots, it's you're in F territory <laughs> by default. You're in, you're uh, in well, F he's, territory. He sure earned it. I mean, thank no, God we lost to them because otherwise we'd have been in a playoff game. <laughs> Got our um, ass to hand yeah. <laughs> you're not totally wrong. But I mean, but I I'd rather I'd that. rather live with that loss, like a, a blowout in a playoff for a year, than have to listen to them talk about the game that we should have won. Yeah. Anyways, um, I I I did not have any major issues with West Goodwin this year. I thought um, he showed the ability in in game to make adjustments. Yes, we struggled in that Wake Forest game, but you know the the, the secondary, the cornerbacks yeah. in particular, that situation was a mess with so many young guys playing. But they really developed and got better. It's you know Wiggins mm-hmm. uh, being the obvious standout um, coming along. Probably a little bit too. Um, late to in, in switching Barrett Carter and, and um, Trent Simpson. Simpson, Trent Simpson. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, not making that move until his hand was forced with the injury to Simpson. Yep. Um, but overall, I, I thought the defense performed well um, and I'm excited to see them come back. And, you know, we've got some studs coming back at the tackle position. Defensive end is going to be um, interesting Terrifying. next year, but the linebacker core, should be really good. Yeah. And remember, he's the linebacker's coach. Next, and he looked really good this year. Back. Yeah. Um, this safety position is one that, as far as development and coaching, I'd have my eye on. Well, Ben, you stole my freaking thunder because I was going to say, what was the best position group for the season? The linebackers. Linebackers. Yeah. And, you know, that's good ones. Specialty, at least now, that's what he's covering, along with DC duties. Um, and then he split some of that with Nick Eason as far as the run game defense um, was a little disappointed with some of the ways we got gashed on with the run game defense. Is that Nick Eason's first year? Is that a combination of that? Plus, you know, some coach, some players may be looking ahead. Some players like just have a lot going on. Like Brzee had a, just a crazy really effed yeah. up year with his sister and then with his kidneys. And then with, you know, uh, coming back from an ACL to tear, um, should have came back in my opinion, but I think I do not fault him 1% for wanting just to turn the page. And we I mean, say should have came back, but he's projected first rounder top 10. Like, yeah, you know, Dabo even tell you if you're projected there, go. Yeah. So overall, I think that, yeah, he, you're not going to follow up Brent Venables by beating Brent Venables. Um, not even Brent Venables can do that this year. So um, I would say, come home, Brent, come home. Yeah. There's still time. I'll let you coach offense. <laughs> Leave a light on for you. And you know what? I think maybe a more established coach coming in might have been, um, you know, coming stepping into the shadow of Brent Venables. It might have been more stressful on them than somebody like Wes Goodwin, who comes up by nobody knows who the hell he is. Um, yeah, I guess Ben, right? Know, like expectations were not the expectations were not that vocally high from people, mm-hmm. right? For I mean, I think there was the, oh, you got a really talented defensive line. You know, Clemson mm-hmm. should be really ferocious up front. I think the, the defense, for the most part, kind of lived up to at least that level of expectation. So, mm-hmm. We're a little delusional you, thinking they'd be like 2018. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's what we do. I but, mean, um, there there's no way they would have held a Georgia team to three offensive points this year. But, you know, true. who did? <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I, I think almost Mizzou. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I mean, I think I was, I was pleased with the defense this year, and 
him, I can give the benefit of the doubt. There, there was no expectations coming into this season that he was going to be better than what we had before. Mm-hmm. You know, with Jeff Scott, there was hope. You know, that things were going to improve. Um, or sorry, Streeter. Um, I'm just going to keep. I'm just going to keep saying, dropping Jeff Scott's name till he comes back. Yeah, um, subliminal messaging because he listens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was no expectation from any Clemson fan that the level of coaching going from Brent Vittables to anybody was going to be any better. So <clears throat> I thought he did admirably. Um, he's learning on the job, you know, being a coach. So I'm, I'm fine with that hire um, mm-hmm. for now. Again, this, the issues this season were not on the defense. Yeah. There was more big plays than, you know, we wanted. Some but, of that's on you know, youth in the secondary. Yeah, and Venables the guys playing out times. of position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess like, what's something you think Wes is going to ha- need to work on moving into next year? I think his voice in that locker room. Yeah. You know, intensity. Yeah. That's my answer. Being yeah. that guy that guys fear a little bit more. You know, I'm sure they were all scared to death of Brent Venables. And again, nobody's going to live up to that level. I mean, Brent had to have a damn guy on the sideline who his sole job was to pull him off the damn field. Like, where have you seen that anywhere else? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think he needs to find his voice with this offense or sorry, defense and be able to put like kind of his um, stamp on it with, with his style. And it's just something that he's going to have to grow into with experience. Um, but you know, if the level of play maintains and there's not much of a drop off, um, I expect them to, you know, he's, it's going to be interesting. We'll see how he does, you know, with kind of, um, with all the attrition at the defensive end of position, really just having Xavier Thomas come back next year, which is great, but you know, we need him to stay on the field. And then Justin Maskell is going to be an average defensive end. Um, and then what guys do we have behind him? There's not much there. That's it's a freshman coming in, but are they going to be ready to play? They're going to have to. I mean, Murphy and XD played uh, as freshmen. I mean, Christian Wilkins and Lawrence, like, had crazy freshman years. So, it's like, it's not unheard of. I would say some things that uh, – Now, Wilkins actually didn't even play that much his freshman year. Um, I'm pretty sure he still played a decent amount. He played a little bit. He didn't – he did not play – he did not play a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I think Goodwin has also – like it was his first year as a DC. So I remember hearing him like after the fourth game, he's like, Oh, I finally still know like what time I need to be at certain places, like on game day and like when I need to do this, he like as locker the, is. Yeah. yeah. And as the DC versus as the assistant to the regional manager or whatever. So um, yeah, it's uh, the basic stuff he'll have down. I think that'll free up a lot of his bandwidth to like really get creative and like really sink his teeth into like what went wrong. Cause that's kind of what we were sold on is he's like, part of the mad genius behind Brent Venables and, um, and the defense and stuff. So next year is going to be his year to really kind of show us who he is now that he's kind of gotten settled into his role and yeah, intensity, um, just basic fundamental stuff. Um, I mean, you guys know, it's like after your first year in a new role, that's when you kind of start going, Oh, I can see above the weeds now and like actually make strategic moves rather than the game slows down reactive. Right, yeah. much like a player. Um, yeah. real and that's quick, where I think like adjustments about, are going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back to your point about the the DEs coming in, it's very different uh, than a defensive tackle coming in as a freshman. Like Dexter Lawrence to come in as a defensive tackle as a freshman and just take two guys and push them 
five, seven yards into the backfield, right? And he's done yeah. his job. At defensive end, there's a lot more going on mentally in the gang, be able to hold a, you know, hold containment um, mm-hmm. and, and being disciplined and holding the edge. How'd you um, spend, man? It, yeah, there's just more, there's more to it that, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, maybe if you have one good anchor, XT, who's playing yeah. up his ability on one end, you can get away with having some of these young guys get in there and get some, uh, some experience. Now, I, again, I don't expect them to be starter level at the beginning of the season. I do think we're going to have to get them in there and build at least one guy up who can mm-hmm. give us dependable snaps next year. Or you go to, you know, you go to a, a three, four. Uh, we're going to be three, four. And I'm honestly like, I wouldn't be opposed to playing like two defensive tackles and one D end, or just, we're going to have to get creative because behind XT and Maskell, it's Kane Patterson who like barely played. It's Cade Denhoff who like played two snaps. And it's like um, Shaq Lawson's brother who no offense, but he looks like he's 180 pounds. Um, like when you see the pictures of them all in the gym, it's like they're all Ricks and Flex and, and he, you know, looks like mm-hmm. one of us. And uh, no Zaire Patterson, kid. not Kane Zaire Patterson. Patterson. Oh yeah, yeah. Kane Patterson's a, a guy that left, linebacker that left. Um, yeah. Sorry, Zaire. Um, but yeah. And then you have, of course, Peter Woods who could, they're going to move around. You've got, um, I'm going to butcher their names. So I'm not even going to try to hit them, uh, this time, but, uh, you know, Burley and, um, what is it? Ojegby. Um, yeah. So, and and Parker, um, Stephen Green, I mean, there, some of those guys are going to be more D tackles, but we're, no, Tamarian Parker West, is the guy. Uh, like, if you're gonna get if you're gonna get production out of this class snaps this year, it's gonna be Tamarian mm-hmm. Parker, four star. He's like flirting with a five star rating. Mm-hmm. That'll be the guy. I, I'm so happy XT comes is coming back. You yeah. will see though. Like, how many snaps are we really gonna pencil in? Well, for and what we year? always have to remember that XT's history has not really been injury issues. There was one legitimate injury. Um, and it's been a whole mess of other stuff. So mm-hmm. it's not necessarily that he's injury prone, but yeah, I can see us supplementing edge rushing next year with Wade Woodaz or, or Barrett Carter helping yeah, out and, and, and coming with pressure off the edge, going with, you know, 2D tackles and one other defensive end. So again, I think, mm-hmm. you know, Goodwin has a whole off season um, mm-hmm. to figure this out. And it's a known weakness at this point going into this year or going into mm-hmm. next year. So he's got some time to figure it out. He's got the spring practice and spring game to see what he's going to get out um, of whichever freshmen are on campus and the current guys mm-hmm. on the roster and then, you know, fall practice. And hopefully by then they've got it figured out. Um, yeah. Because that's going to be the one weakness um, on the defense next year. Interior def- defensive line should be great. Oh yeah. I mean, linebackers are coming back except Simpson, but Woodhouse is great. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. Carter and then the back, uh, the DBs are all coming back, um, except for maybe one. And then, yeah, Fred Davis transferred. But yeah, uh, Lucas yeah. Pride will have another year experience. Wiggins will have another year experience, you know, all this kinds of stuff. Shrod Koval. Hopefully, Makuba gets to put on some weight and sit back in a safety position. Well, and get him into a position and, and leave him there and teach him that position and develop him there. Mm-hmm. I think he struggled mm-hmm. this year. Um, having to switch around a little bit, help out at the cornerback position. And then we've all have our thoughts on Mickey Khan. Sticky Mickey. Um, all right, guys. So defense, 
I think will be the bright spot once again heading into next season with mm-hmm. all eyes on the offense, um, making some improvement, really seeing once and for all. It's like, look, Brandon Streeter, like you're now on your second quarterback um, defense. I think it's not like they're going to fly under the radar from a coaching standpoint. Um, we're really going to need that defense to show up and probably win us some games or keep us in, in these games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, can we get a pass rush? That's going to be the big question going into next year. Um, I think we're going to probably start to hear some platitudes coming out of like camp from the Clemson beat and coaches about mm-hmm. how Justin Maskell, oh my gosh, he's making a Kevin Dodd like leap. And I think we're, mm-hmm. we're going to hear about probably Tamarian Parker, like whether or not that's the case, we are going to start to hear that hype train ramp up come around <clears> July. Um, I think for me, it's like, maybe this is the year where we'll get a little bit more stability in the, in the back seven. And that's really where that'll be the strength of this defense while that, while the front has some kind of growing pains to figure out at the end position. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think having like Rook and Tyler Davis come back going to be massive. Huge. From a three, D, standpoint. three D tackles and four linebackers. Well, yeah. let's remember the transfer portal will, will taketh at the end of spring practice. Yeah. There's a lot of defensive tackles still around. Yeah. Yeah, just because no one's announced yet from the DeMonte Capehart, Trey mm-hmm. Williams, possibly Peyton Page kind of thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, see how that pecking order shakes out. Um, and I think that's where hopefully what we see in spring practice is more of that scheme, mm-hmm. the, like the different looks on the scheme where you can get more of those guys onto the field or potentially yeah. any of those guys shift over to end will be interesting. But yeah, we do have an we do have kind of an abundance of defensive tackles. You're right. It's hilarious, almost. <laughs> it's like nine. Feels like. Yeah, maybe one of them can shed like 30, 40 pounds, add some speed, move over to end. Probably easier yeah, to bulk up and move from DE into the middle. Although Brisset was going to do it, but you know he's a different animal. No that might be why he left is that he, they went and played DE in that orange ball for a bit. Well, no, oh, I, that, yeah. that's where he may project in the NFL, actually. Yeah. We'll see. Um, all right, guys. I mean, I guess let's, let's kind of wrap it up there. I mean, in terms of just long-term outlook for, for the Clemson program, looking into this coming season, looking ahead, we gave Dabo probably his worst – grade as a head coach i would even say in 2021 you'd give dabo a higher grade than hearing from us this season yep. um, last year he was dealing with a lot of a ch- lot of turmoil a lot of change coming off the trevor lawrence era a lot of injuries really, like a ridiculous yeah, yeah. amount of injuries right and i think he you saw the team improve throughout the year like i think we we applauded dabo at the end of last year because mm-hmm. he kept the focus kept the culture intact um cheesable win <laughs> Was fed by Prince Chedward, you know, at the yep. Cheez-It Bowl. That's an important moment. Um, hey, a Cheez-It this... Bowl win against um, the highest-rated passer in the NFL over the last seven games. Mm. Yeah, Booth had a that. didn't Booth pick him off? No, it was um, uh, it was um, uh, our other who was corner. opposite of Booth. <laughs> yeah, who, who was the other corner that was across on him? Um. So this is already forgot his name. Um, I'm not going to pretend to try to remember, so I don't look as dumb as you guys. 
Yeah, well, it's okay. I'm, I'm used to looking down all the time. Um, I don't want to say the wrong name because if I say the wrong name, I'm going to look even worse. No, if you say the wrong name, you'll it. trigger the right name for, for the rest of us. Uh, well, it's not Mackenzie Alexander, that's for sure. It wasn't Cordray Tankersley, that's for sure. It wasn't AJ Terrell. <laughs> it wasn't AJ Terrell, that's for sure. Um, this is super embarrassing. Well, Mario Goodrich. Yeah, Mario Goodrich. I was about to say, Tully and I already know. We're just letting Jarrett go. Yeah, you're just you're just letting me die up here. Uh, anyway, everybody. yeah, Mario Goodrich making Brock Purdy look silly. Um, but no, guys, I mean, yes, Dabo, we applauded coming off of last year, kind of kept the culture intact. We felt like he was the guy that can help us weather the storm moving off the Venables and even Tody Elliott coordinator situation. Um, but then he, then he kind of zigged. He, Mm -hmm. he promoted from within on both sides of the ball with four coordinators, four Mm co-coordinators. Um, and like, I don't know, maybe he does feel like he needs to have one more season to see mm-hmm. what the Dabo land kind of like, let me bring these coaches along at the same time thing goes. But yeah. I mean, do you think this team is set up? Let's just like give him all the benefit of the doubt here mm-hmm. is like the roster where it is, is like the collection of coaches is like the, the playbook is everything set up for his vision to be successful even if it's the right vision, I just don't think it is. So we'll get into, you know, this show, this episode is more about his coaching job this year, this team this year with the, you know, all the tools and resources that he has in the locker room, in the coaching staff. We'll get into NIL and transfer portal stuff in a later episode as far as philosophy and uh, the future of the program um, is concerned. Um. But I do think, optimistically speaking, the offensive line has been making slow strides and mm-hmm. should be – there's talent there. Um, be four and five stars. We just got to get something out of them. Um, <clears throat> Tristan Lee. Give, you know, what's, what's that? Run Chipley? I said <clears throat> Tristan Lee. Uh, Tristan Lee. Um, and, you know, uh, Thomas Austin's first year is the coach of that group. Um, mm-hmm. you give him some time to, to, to see how that – ends up improving um running backs the the two guys that we have are really good um quarterback position we think is going to be an upgrade <laughs> we hope it better be an upgrade next year um and then you got uh Vizina coming in the wide receivers is going to be the question mark you know we have guys with potential and one guy in antonio williams who's now has actually proven something to us we'll see what the other guys can do and especially with grisham um, stays on as the wide receivers coach this year. You know, we'll see how that development happens. We're going to need some freshmen, at least one freshman, hopefully to step up. But, you know, overall across the offense on paper should be a better offense next year on defense. Yeah. You miss Trent Simpson, but you have a lot of talented guys there um, who got a lot of playing time, you know, that were starters this year, two starters returning and then other guys with playing time. Uh, the secondary is better, should be better, more experienced on paper and then the defensive line. Yeah. You know, there's an issue at defensive end, but the the unit as a whole, can they, you know, at, at least be as good as they were this year with a better offense? You're looking at a better team. Um, you know, special teams, we're going to lose a lot with BT Potter being gone. Um, we, like, what we really take for granted, everybody knows, we all love him for how, you know, <laughs> Orange Bowl aside, how consistent he was and how big of a leg he has, a field goal kicker, but 
Um, I think what something that really we're going to see next year um, that we should have valued more was just him being able to put the ball into the end zone on those kickoffs, um, mm-hmm. you know, li- really limiting the return game for opposing um, for opposing teams and setting their offense up. Well, but those teams are starting at 25 yard line pretty much every time if they wanted to, if they wanted them to. Um, so I think that's going to be a big loss. I don't expect RG three, number two. RG three two, RG three, yeah, um, yeah. RG three number two to come in and and you know fill those shoes. You know, hope we get better. Um, Aiden Swanson continues to improve in the putting game um, because flipping the field and field position is going to be you know another thing that um, is going to help us, um, you know, be more competitive next year. Whereas times in the past, um, you know, just uh, the ability of our defense and our offense. Uh, we're so much better than other teams. It didn't quite matter as much. Um, but I think field position will be another thing that really plays into it next year. And we need to get stronger at flipping the field. Um, but yeah, I think overall on paper, this looks to be an improved team next year. Is it a playoff team? Well, on our schedule, it should be. Um, there's no reason not to be. You, you can go look at our schedule next year. And what loss are you going to give us that we should lose? Like Notre Dame, maybe. Notre well, probably because advantage, you know the way it looked you know, this year but now do we go into and win a playoff game next year i don't think we're we're not there yet not based on what i saw in playoffs this year i don't know ben i think we have a difficult schedule next year now the good part is all the tough games are at home but no longer are we in the atlantic the acc is all shuffled up uh two best teams play in the title it, game it, it's a tough part. acc schedule like a tough schedule for the acc yeah, we got tough. I mean, it's tougher to than Georgia's schedule year. next year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Citadel no, schedule for tougher sure. Than that. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm recalibrating my Clemson expectations, yeah. man. And yeah, I think we land where that, we landed this year. Yeah, I think, I think it's going to be eleven and three. Our our ceiling and expectation should be just to make the playoffs next year. Like, if you do that, that's a super successful season. If we lose three games, win the ACC again. Like that's, you're just treading water at that point. Like, right. You're just doing the same. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll I'll take a second to say one, I agree with what you said, Ben, that's pretty much it. Like, I think that we're going to land about where we were this year. Um, I think we don't have that. um, Take the top off the defense type of wide receivers that I've seen, you know, the 50, 50 balls we have, we just haven't seen that. So it's like, we're going to stall out on drives and other teams that are talented are going to take advantage of that. So I'm, um, not, so I'm not so ready to, to say that's going to be the case yet, because I think club Nick's the type of guy who can make people around him better. Whereas DJ really didn't have that ability. I want to see it. Yeah. I mean, I'll believe it. I, I don't doubt that. Like I could see us getting into the playoffs and stuff like that. Um, I just think that, you know, I need to see it. And I also want to say that for the people out there that are on, you know, either the message boards or Twitter or at home or in the car, wherever you are, it's like, we are really going to fight for this program to be the best that it can be. And to us, really, that comes down to like winning championships consistently over time. Cause we have the program, we have the, you know, like all of the, the roots for this tree are there. It's like, we just keep lopping our own roots off sometimes, or, you know, um, not watering the, the plant with the right fertilizer. So obviously I don't have a horticultural degree. So I'll just say that 
that's why we are so aggressive and it's like, Oh, 11 and three, like it's a whatever season we're treading water. Some of you guys are, you know, steaming mad at that because yeah, we get it. We used to suck and we used to be average, but it's like, that is not who we are now. And as long as best is the standard, we're either going to live up to it or we're not. And we're going to try to push everyone to believe that we can live up to it and find reasons why we're not doing that. And um, yeah. And, like, and let's let's put it all in perspective too. Um, there's only been two teams not from the SEC to win the national championship since 2014, and those two teams were Clemson. Um, and there were some pretty great SEC teams winning championships in that time span. You know, Clemson mm-hmm. making it into the game. Um, you know, two other times where not a lot of other teams were having much success. Ohio State hasn't won since 2014. Um, and no, nobody, nobody else has made a lot of consistent noise. So the, just the, and you saw it play out on the field in that Georgia TCU game. Those mm-hmm. were some great semifinal games. The first time we had really two sem- semifinal games that were um, so close and entertaining. But you know, you get under the bright lights under the national championship game, and Georgia just showed you the SEC mm-hmm. is far and above every other conference in college football. As much as Clemson fans hate to hear that. Um, it sucks, but that's the case. But it also makes what Clemson did even that much more impressive. I, then my take on that is the top of the SEC is top to bottom. I don't, I don't really think it doesn't matter what the is. bottom of your conference is doing. Yeah, like who cares? About I mean, that? I, who cares about Vanderbilt? Like it doesn't matter. That, that's I want to judge the SEC. Well, I want to talk about. I want to talk about Georgia, and because four years ago, you guys might remember, we all laughed at it. Texas, like the game was a lot closer on the scoreboard at the end, but Texas beat Georgia's ass in the Sugar Bowl. And Kirby was already criticized. He like had bungled just, Justin Fields, was criticized for trying to run like a 2011 Alabama team with, you know, hard-nosed defense, run the ball, be conservative on offense. And that didn't work for him that year. That didn't work for him the next year. And he changed his philosophy, looked at roster management, recruited the hell out of talent on the offensive side of the ball, hired Todd Munkin, adapted to changes in the sport, and won back-to-back natties with a lot of talent and leveraged all their advantages. And that's not going to last forever. Alabama didn't last forever, right? Clemson didn't last forever. All I'm saying, though, Ben, is, Dabo, please pay attention to the right thing in that game, not the fact that they got a walk-on in Stetson Bennett to, like, win the two games <laughs> in a row. Well, yeah. and, you know, I think that's the point where we're at, too. We have to give this, this program um, – we, we, we have to give them some leeway to have some seasons where they take a step back, where they, there does become some issues within the program and give Dabo the opportunity to, to learn from those and correct those. Um, we're concerned because that's not – we're in the middle of this happening. Um, it's happening right now and we can't predict the future accurately. We think we can predict the future. What we're, what we're going to say is like, if he doesn't use NIL and doesn't use the transfer portal and blah, 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 it's chaos in college football right now. So I'm not ready to, to say we should just go in and jump in the chaos because eventually that'll settle. Um, it's like, you know, when the market tanks and you sell all your stock, you know, or do you just keep it in there knowing that everything's going to settle out and eventually, if you stay consistent um, with your, your your philosophy, you can get creative and do that and apply that in different ways and adapt as things change. But do you just jump into the chaos mix? I don't necessarily think that's well, the answer. But we're at yeah, that but then, point, and we're yeah. we're concerned. 
um, because we're we're just nervous that we're not seeing it happen like imminently. And now we have to wait to next season coming off of this this Orange Bowl loss, which was has left a bad taste in all of our mouths. So I get it, but um, there's lots of ways that this thing could end up shaking out. And all I'm saying is that we still should give Dabo the benefit of the doubt because he's a lot smarter mind than 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 most of us. Um, he's had more success than most of us, but he also gets paid more than all of us. So, you know, it's up to him to make these hard decisions and, you know, right the ship. Because are you out here to end the season ranked 13th? No. They're to win a national championship. It's making the decisions to put us here two years in a row. So, yeah, I just think it's, Ben, you're not going to like have a winning portfolio strategy if you hire junior analysts to run the whole thing. Kind yeah. Of thing. So you can hire Ray Or, if, or hire, if you just uh, have me running your yeah. account because, right. Because I'm yeah. like, here. Do you I want Ben or Ray Dalio or Warren Buffett? Yeah. That's, that's a good point. I mean, and I, I and I, I, think I, I, I am openly criticizing him for that because I think that is one of the biggest issues. I think more than transfer Porter, more than NIL is the makeup of this coaching staff. Hundred percent, because that it. it that dictates talent acquisition. Like there is a path, and we talked and about it with Packing Tiger. There's a path to Clemson's way of roster management potentially working, where you just work the high school ranks and you do sign large, healthy classes. And you, you develop through that route, that can work. But we gotta we gotta get extract the talent and put that on the field and deploy it. Um, and I, I don't have the faith that this collection of coaches can do that at an elite level. And our concern is we're gonna have to go through another season like this to see change. And at that point, is it too late? <sighs> I don't know, but I think that's what we're gonna get next season. I think we're gonna use the same moldy playbook. I think we're going to have a similar philosophy and just say it ain't going to happen again. Cause you know, whatever. Remember but, Davo didn't win the, you know, Davo wasn't winning championships with, with top three or top five classes. Yeah. 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 So it can be done. You can but recruit. He had, he had 155 not, years of coaching experience. On exactly. He, he's not exactly. winning them with top, top three, top five either. Exactly. No, but he's done it before not doing that. And it goes, the coaching staff around him had a, had a lot to do that. But let's be fair also. There was a lot of generational talent at quarterback and wide receiver on those teams. Right. Really, really great defenses. They were coached by one of the best in the game. I mean, I think there's a world where with the NIL era and the transfer portal that all others are tapping into where Clemson maybe finds itself in that like, eighth to 15th ranked recruiting classes. But again, give me that and a 10 man coaching staff with an average of what was it, Jarrett? Like 16 years experience. Yeah. 17, 18 years. Yeah. 17 years experience. Like I'll, I'll take them odds versus like, yeah. Occasionally we have a third ranked class. Occasionally we have a ninth ranked class Mm -hmm. and we don't develop three years of average coaching experience. And Mm -hmm. going back to, to my, my John Calipari reference, that's gotten stale with him, right? The Kentucky, his one and dones. Mm-hmm. Like those philosophies don't last long. Like you have to constantly be evolving. Right. Dabo said it himself yep. in 2015. There's we have the we have the receipts. He said it himself and then he forgot it. 
Yeah, and I think the the one hire that maybe we can see this offseason, guys, like, and we'll wrap the show up here in a minute. Um, I don't think there's going to be very many coaching changes. Like, maybe you can find a, a seat for Jeff Scott if he wants to do it. I think Dabo's got to hire somebody that he respects as somewhat of an equal or a senior voice with that experience. Once Brent Venables left, once Tony Elliott left, I don't know who was left to challenge him. Bad turnip seed, by the way. He was essentially kind of the back-end COO of the program. He left with Brent Venables to go to Oklahoma. We've beaten this like a dead horse, whatever. Um, I think that would be like any kind of hire we can bring in like that would be, would be really helpful. Yeah. My biggest moment of hope in all of this is that even if we don't, yeah, you don't want to just like waste the kid's talent, but um, we're bringing in full classes, like Quacking Tiger said. Um, when we looked at uh, who's on the roster, it's like we're filling gaps like we should be filling gaps. It's not perfect. There's still – we could take a transfer wide receiver or a transfer DN, but we won't. And But, like, if we do this Davos way and we take really big classes that fill all the scholarships every year, then we can make room for attrition. We can make room for um, kids not getting developed and maybe they want to transfer – and then hopefully amongst all of that coaches will actually get better. But, you know, I just hate that we're running this giant program with so much potential on like hope, you know, shouldn't be that way. And Daniel high school walk-ons. Yeah. Hey, got some no great lions, ones, I guess. Got some yeah. great ones out of there too. Luke. Hey, a lot of, a lot of three and low four stars in the NFL. The more you get, mm-hmm. the more likely one is to pan out. So I agree. Filling the classes, very much key, especially yeah. when half of them are going to leave anyways. Yep. Well, dudes, why don't we wrap it there? Um, I think mm-hmm. overall, a, a roller coaster of a Clemson football season. We had some highs. Uh, we thought we were back. We turned out not to be back. <laughs> turned out to uh, yeah. the one reason you shouldn't listen to us because we thought we were back at one point. <laughs> I think we were cautiously optimistic more than like jubilant. We were optimistic we'd be better than last year, and we were for a while. And then, I mean, the comeback in double overtime versus Wake, I mean, DJ looked awesome throwing while he's being tackled in two point conversion. We were like, uh, well, who is this guy? And then the rest of the season happened. Jared, I heard his uh, helmet mic was broken for that game, and he was calling plays. I don't think that. Do college kids even have mics? But if they did, then yeah, he, it's definitely why. I, I, wait the a, joke, wait the wait joke a, clipped my head. Yeah, it did. Almost completely missed, but I just got a little bit of it. Yeah, you're right, Tully. <laughs> All right, I'm going to get us out of here. Um, Georgia won again. Kind of sucks, but they're the new Bama. I won so, a lot of money. That's good. I'm just glad Ryan Day didn't win a natty. Same. We all get here. Second. You know what? There's always going to be somebody you hate that wins it. But as long as Ohio State is the one that doesn't win it, at least we can consistently be happy about that. I mean, my God, they are the most underperforming program. They really are. Like, based on talent, all their advantages, um, Mm -hmm. how superior they are to their conference. Like, they're kind of the original Clemson. I think they're a much better team than Michigan this year. And yet they still lost at home big. Yeah. It, I think if they beat Georgia and find a way there, like it sucks that Harrison was knocked out of the game, like truly for them. Yeah. Um, 
I think they also would roll TCU. That would have been a fun game to watch, to be honest. But um, so yeah, they were that close to a natty, but uh, no, couldn't do it. Let's all thank TCU for taking you on the chin for the rest of us. So we didn't have to. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's fair. Uh, but I mean, and good for them too. You know, like that was a. They'll always have that game against Michigan. Yeah, they'll keep themselves warm with that one close playoff. I win. mean, Oklahoma has not won a playoff game. Neither is Southern Cal. Yeah, he's got to be the coach of the year, right? Like they weren't even ranked to begin the season. They were like three and eight last year. Oh, they were like five and seven, I think. Whatever. First year it's, coach still sucks. Yeah, yeah. that's they non bowl hard. Eighteen. I know that. Eighteen transfer something like that. Yeah. Um, they got their ass kicked. <laughs> and they got their ass kicked. That's right. I mean, it doesn't help to throw three picks in the first half, but I thought, um, yeah, Georgia was crazy. I mean, it, Ben, you were wise to place bets. You could have placed bets strictly on the talent advantage. Pretty much what he did. <laughs> I, I place, I, I took. Georgia minus 17 and a half, minus 13 and a half, minus seven and a half, and minus three and a half. All those lines were open. Alt lines. And yeah. I should have taken the minus 21 and a half. Easy. Minus yeah. 50, 54 and a half or whatever. <laughs> cool. Um, and, and look, like they're probably going to three-peat. Yep. All the other powers are turning it over, turning over at quarterback. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. But it'll be it'll still be a fun season. Looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. We have an off season now. Clemson is what six and zero. Ben and ACC play for the first time ever. This basketball team's legit. This basketball yeah. team is legit. To the chagrin of everybody that wants to see Brad Brown all fired. <clears throat> I still refuse to watch basketball. This is an NCAA attorney team. Point. This is team is as good as the Sweet Sixteen team from 2016. It's fun. It really yeah. gives me something to to forget football with, you know? Keep your squeaky balls. Enjoy it. Hater. Shooty hoop. Shooty That's hoops. enough shooty hoop. Yep. Well, at uh, some point we will be back. We're not going to make any promises because whenever we do, we, we completely miss. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, there'll be more Clemson news, I'm sure. Hopefully hires and potentially firings. Um, we will see but um you know we wish everybody well but yeah there's going to be some news we'll get back on and talk Uh, cody Mm -hmm. will come back from brazil and you know it'll be good we'll we'll be back on the air at some point here um you guys gonna watch the nfl playoffs oh yeah sure trevor somehow resurrected that team so yeah travis and trevor baby Mm mm-hmm who do they play? Yeah. The Chargers. That's why we were winning national championships. So. Guys like that who can turn around the Jacksonville Jaguars in two years. <laughs> yeah. It's just disappointing that they only won one Natty, though. It, it is true. Super disappointing. Well, it's we didn't crazy. run ETN in the twenty twenty game, and who was the offensive coordinator for that game? Oh, it was Brandon Streeter because Tony Elliott was out. Also, twenty nineteen against LSU in the second half. No, that, that's what I mean. That was. That game wasn't – oh, no, he wasn't – yeah, yeah, yeah. That game was Tony Elliott. But, yeah, the 22 for sure. Yeah. All right. They blend together. We are definitely going to wrap it there. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you, boys, for the recap. It was a fun season. Ben, what was it? Like our eighth year? 
something like that. It's a 2015 was our first season, so this was yeah. seventh. Wow. Or is that eight? Well, it was eight, eight seasons. I was so, counting work. Uh, yeah. yeah, just, you know, thank you to everybody, eight. loyal listeners, first-time listeners. Mm-hmm. Appreciate everybody tuning into us, putting up with our our shit all year. Um, mm-hmm. We appreciate it. And uh, we're excited to kick off for season number nine as well coming up. Lucky number nine. I feel it. Sounds good. Well, thank you again, everyone. And as always, go Tigers.